0: So I wanted to do a series leading to Easter, um, talking about love at a different level. And uh, most of us know um, what I'm calling human love, uh, pedestrian love, run-of-the-mill love. But uh, we get introduced, Jesus introduces us to divine love, what I'm calling epic love. And so I want to start today reading from... um, the Gospel of Matthew, and we've we started the new year with the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and you remember going through that and and then i 'm following it with uh, the teaching that Jesus continues when he talks about love, love at a different level, but what we 're learning before we read the scripture what we 're learning is Matthew is putting together um, very carefully Jesus as the new Moses the new Moses and so what you have to remember is there are people who are having a really hard time um making this transition anybody here have a hard time letting go of stuff anybody who 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 here just for grins who has a hard time letting go of stuff like stuff your garage is nasty that, I mean, your basement's packed your Your closets are overflowing, right? I can't, I just, I don't know how to let go of that. I probably should. They have a rule, right? Some of you have been through some of these classes. They have a rule. If you haven't used it in a year, you should what? But what do you say to yourself? Mm, You never know. You just never know, all right? So free confession, who has a hard time letting go? Now, you're probably, the problem is you're probably married to the other person, right? Who can just chuck it at no, Right? Um, but we, have a, we can have a hard time letting go of our stuff. The other thing that we need to remember is we can have an even harder time letting go of our beliefs, our mentality. And so this is written to a community of people who grew up with Moses, who cut their teeth on Moses. All right? All right. Just, just so that I know my audience, although I know most of you online, you, I can't see, but uh, you can send me an email. Um, who here cut your teeth on some kind of Christian religion? Cut your teeth on some kind of... In other words, you grew up with it, mom taught it, grandma taught it, all right? Now, just so I know the variety here, how many Baptists do we have in the house? Baptists, all right? Only three of you admit it, all right? Fine. I'm just kidding. Catholics, okay. oh boy, domination! All right, because you're the real church, of course, right? Um, how many Lutherans do we have here? Close, but no cigar, right? Like we're all right. Got our Lutherans, uh, Methodists. Oh, look at you guys! All right, um, our, uh, Presbyterians, a little more high society. There we go. I see you, folks. All right, Episcopalians, right? Right up there next to God Himself. Uh, all right. So anyway, we got all the varieties. Now, what happens is what you learn, you latch on to. Let's say it together. What you learn, you, you latch on to. And it becomes a part of you. So you might miss this the first time you go reading the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Matthew 5. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. And sat down. If you read in Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke chapter six, it says he went to a level place and taught. This is this is classic. Um, I don't have time, but I I, lo- I was looking up in one of the Bible many Bibles that I have, and this one gives you like questions and answers, and so they try to answer the question: Why does Matthew say he went on a mountain to teach, and why does Luke? 6 verse 17 say he went to a level place and the answer the guy gave in this little question and answer Bible which they never put their name next to I noticed Um, the answer he gave, forgive me if I laugh um, was well you know it was probably a level place halfway down the mountain and I thought to myself people are buying these Bibles people are paying money for that answer are you with me? Like, talk about a stretch, you know what I mean? And the stretch is because they're trying to find some way. This is such an important thing, and I'll get off this topic. They're trying to find some important way to homogenize the four Gospels. Smash them all together, right? And they weren't meant to be, ready, smashed together. If if they were supposed to be smashed together, we would only have one. Anybody have a V8 moment? <laughs> we only have one. We don't have one. We have four. We have four versions. And they're distinct. So maybe a better way, because the problem is people have always tried to look at these as pictures, as snapshots. Think about this. I heard one guy say, I can't argue it. He says, if God wanted us to have a perfect snapshot of Jesus he would have had him come in the day of video recorders. We could just watch him on YouTube. Nope, he said this. Rewind it, rewind it. No, he said this. But Jesus wasn't here in the day of YouTube, right? So we have four portraits. Not snapshots, portraits. Guys telling the Jesus story with their language, with their filter. And this guy, Matthew, puts him on a mountain for a particular reason. This is the new Moses. Um, I could go through uh, several other examples to show you, but of course later on in this Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, and he quotes who? Moses. But I say to you, you've heard it said, but I say to you. He's giving us something new. And he's, he's, he's weaning us off Moses and getting us to something new. Um, anybody here need to wean off some old stuff, some old mind? Nobody. I don't even know why I'm up here. Uh, old religion, old upbringing, old way. Do you need to wean off? Now, this is think. You, sometimes you got to wean. You can't just go cold turkey, huh? I know. I know for a fact. I know like because some. of you, you raised your hand that you're a Catholic in here, but you ain't telling nobody else that you're here. You didn't tell your mother in law, you ain't telling, right? And you won't be here on Easter because you won't get credit. Am I close? So you got to wean. Some of you got to wean. And I know for a fact people come here on Sunday morning, they go to Catholic Church on Saturday night because you got to get credit on Saturday. And you come here for whatever, grins. But this is true. This is, is, I'm not, it's human nature. We have to wean. I believe this. I knew this. I, I was told this. I'm sure of this. Can you imagine trying to get people off of Moses? I was telling the band backstage that this morning I was listening to YouTube videos, and I was going to do it. And I thought I better not because people—I don't know—they got to, But I, what I was going to do was I was going to—I was going to put a picture of Moses because there's so many classic pictures of Moses. You know what I mean? Shepherd staff and. Ten Commandments, stone tablets in his hand. He's so powerful. And then I was going to play Stuck on You uh, by the Commodores, Lionel Richie, right? But we stuck. I just thought it would be kind of cool, all these images of Moses <laughs> stuck on you. Maybe next service, Tim. You never know. <laughs> Stick around. It might, it might happen. That, but you're stuck. Like they're just stuck. They can't get away from. And so. What Matthew is doing is he's weaning people off of Moses, and the reason is we have a hard time unlearning things. We have a hard time unlearning things. Isn't this true? It gets stuck in you, and it becomes a part of you. What we're learning now about how the brain works is, is fascinating, right? You get these like little grooves. Uh, these are my words. I'm not a, a neuroscientist. But you, I'll just use this word grooves, like a rut in your brain in the way that you think. And so that's why things are addicting. That's why, uh, that's why when you're supposed to go to the store to get milk, you drive the way you're driving to work. That's why. Because you have this, these worn-in patterns. And unlearning... Is difficult. I heard a guy use this phrase, which I thought was good this week. He said, a lot of people have religious PTSD. You were told about this angry God. You were told about the thunder and lightning. And he said, literally, scientifically, because it was so dramatic, listen very carefully what I'm saying. It literally lodges in your brain at a young age. You know, like little Charlie... You know, I'm like, so, I, I don't want anything to terrify her. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? She's just uh, almost four months old this week. I don't want anything to terrify her. If anything, I, I want to I make sure nothing to, but I guess what happens is if you hear something so terrifying, now some of you grew up on this. It was, it was, the, you were, it was, it was always the flames of hell. It was always this angry God. It was always this wrath is going to get you and, and, and so it literally lodges in the brain then Jesus comes along and teaches us something different and it takes a while it takes a while Um, he goes on and I want to read some of the words from Matthew's Gospel, because this is what I want to get into when we talk about epic love. You have heard it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If one strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I've done an explanation of that. It's not about being a doormat. It's about providing creative tension that forces someone to change you but it doesn't tell us we have the right we have the right to return violence and if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic now just think about this think about this sentence right here how this does not fit in our american brain so not only did these people have to unlearn moses today Many of us have to unlearn our American cultural upbringing. Would it be okay, whatever you think of this verse and whatever you think of, would it be okay if Jesus said something that didn't agree with common American culture? Please someone give me a yes or a maybe or just one, if he said one thing. Would we be willing to go, "Uh uh-oh, maybe... Everything that I cut my teeth on, right? Red, white, and blue, I got a I got a red, white, and blue little zip-up I wear every time the Olympics come on. Alright, cheer for our team, etc. Are you with me? Some of you don't throw things. I haven't even finished the thought yet. Some of you are throwing with daggers in your eyes. How dare you? What if Jesus said something that didn't fit? course he said things that didn't fit That's what got him killed he said things that didn't fit his culture he says things that don't fit our culture he said things that didn't fit jewish culture he said things that didn't fit the roman culture if someone wants to sue you take your tunic and 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 take your tunic let him have your cloak as well He's saying, because they would have an undergarment and an outer garment. He says, if someone wants to take one of your garments, give them both. That's not how we operate. Are you with me? Let's just admit it. Let's just be okay with it for now. Let's stew on it. Let's get mad at me in the afternoon. But let's just admit this is what he said, right? If someone wants one of them, you give them both. This is absolutely, if we're honest about it, completely contrary to the way most of us were raised. We just quoted other Bible verses. True? I'm literally just trying to put Jesus up here, like in a hologram. And if he were to say things, you go, what? No, I don't want you to sue him. Just give him the other cloak. By the way, if you have two... And most people only had to. They didn't have closets like we have today. No walk-in closets in Bethlehem. Are you with me? That was it. You were what? Naked. By the way, again, I think a creative way of saying something. It's not about being literal, but it's about understanding what Jesus was trying to do in the way he taught people to respond to what was happening around them. If someone forces you to go one mile, do what? Go two. And I've taught, about this several, I've taught on this several times, so I won't, but you could go by law one mile. Many Jewish people had a marker a mile from their house. I'm done. I did my duty. I did my obligation. You forced me. Then he goes to say, You have heard it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, again, updating. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This is an update. This is something new. Their level of thinking allowed them to pay people back, to love the people that loved them, to love their neighbor, to love their team, to love their tribe. But Jesus was trying to get them to expand. This is difficult. The funny thing about this is this is some of the most difficult and challenging things that you will ever, ever think about in your life. You have to do something with this. You have to throw it out. You just go. Like, I don't know. It's just a bunch of nonsense. But for us to like repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly stick fish on our car and crosses around our neck and do the Jesus thing over, but to just to blatantly not even consider any of this is this is different. This is what you call epic. And he tries to explain something that I think a lot of us glazed over. He says, pray for your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for those that persecute you. Now, enemies here, we don't know. We could assume in that day, he was talking about the Roman Empire, right? In that day, that would be maybe the most logical assumption. Just uses the word enemy. So, when we have an enemy, it could be a national enemy, a political enemy. It could be you could think of it as a personal enemy. Anybody here have any declared enemies? People that are just against you, or you were brought up and you were taught handle your enemy. Then this is the part that maybe we we glazed over. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the what? Good. They both get sunshine. And they both get rain. Now this is important. Most people did, did not believe that in that day. What they believed is God sends rain to the what? Good team. And they would have quoted from Moses, the land of what? None of you went to Sunday school? Goshen, right? Where it rained there. It didn't rain on the bad people. It just rained on the good people. And they would have gone back to that well over and over and over and over again. And some of you have used that well. And you say, well, I got a good job because, you know, me and God... Think, think. And Jesus comes along and says, no, he makes, it, he makes it rain on the just and the unjust. They all get sunshine and they all get rain. Then he says, if you love those who love you, what reward would you get? It's easy to love people who love us this is what I've been calling in this series, pedestrian love, run of the mill love. And so today, I just want to tell you two things that I, I think that is trying to peek through in this message about epic love. Before I tell you, I got to tell you a story. I was on the airplane the other day. And um, I mean, how do you know, like if you fly in a, Flying can just be a frustrating experience in general, right? The bags, the crowds, the and and I'm on the airline, which I don't know why I ever fly on this airline. People love it, but I'm not there yet. And it's the airline where everybody grabs your own seat, and it's so grabby. You know what I mean? You get on, and you get your own seat. And so you know what happens on this airline. You get on, and if you aren't on the A-list, right, you come in. I've never been an A-list person, right? I, I, I'm like, D minus, D minus, and the dogs come on in. And I get on there, and of course, what people do is they, they, come, they sit down, they take the window in the aisle, and then they put their bag in the middle, and they look down. What are they saying? Don't sit, don't sit here. Don't sit here. Don't sit here. Don't sit here. You piece of trash, don't sit here. and then if you, and then you're you just stuck you're just like and, and everybody in the plane is doing it and so you just walk down the aisle it's not bad and, and I, some of you don't think this I'm actually kind of a shy person like I'm not I, it's like, uh, do you th- I mean I paid for the I was going to say a certain word I paid for the seat why should I feel bad about is anybody with me? does anybody have my personality though? like this is like I feel like I'm invading their privacy or something. And I, um, would it be okay if I sat near where your bag is? I'll just use half, and you can still keep, you know. And I squeeze in there, and every and they look up at you like you're nuts. Like, what about all the other middle seats that you could have chosen? Is anybody with me? So I sit down. This is true. I'm in a bad mood. They're in a bad mood. Right? We're all in a bad mood, and the. The plane takes off, and I just go, okay, I'll do the same thing. And I look over to my right, and there's a family. And, and you know, now I'm flying with Charlie a lot, and it's like, yeah, I get it. You know, like someone told me, take goodie bags. Take thank-you chocolates to everyone that's around you and just pass them out, you know, so that you, you, you're, you're, you're apologizing in advance for the noise that she's going to make, right? And I, so I get the stress that parents, you know, I look over, and um, in the aisle over here, there's two little kids and a mom doing her best. You know what I mean? They're, what time are we landing? What time, you know? And the little kids are, like, putting their feet up on the seat, because they have... Is anybody with me? Does this get annoying when someone's like... You ever had the, the guy behind you that's always needing to get up, and he's pulling on the back of your seat, and your head's always going like... You're like, bro, I'm on the other side of this seat. It's as if this little that thick seat you have no concept that there's someone on the other side of is anybody with me and like bro i'm here and when people put their feet you can definitely feel it right well these kids not only were they putting their feet they started doing like kids do and i just started i literally i started wincing like this is not gonna be good is anybody with me you know how this is escalating like this is not gonna be good the, our flight's going to be on the news. Our flight is going to be on the news. And these little kids are just like, and the mom's like, please, honey, no, don't do that, because she can feel that. What do they do? I don't care. All of a sudden, the lady in the seat turns around, and I'm like, Lord Jesus. And she goes, honey, that feels so good. I've been wanting a massage all day. She said, could you just go all the way up and all the way down? (laughs) True story. I mean, you could feel the tension, and she just popped it. Everyone around her laughed, and she started talking to this little kid making this little kid laugh. True story. She kept turning around and talking to him, and, you know, and I kept thinking, well, at least the joke would be over, and the kid would stop, but, you know, kids, they don't stop. Oh, good. And this lady just kept going with it. As the flight came to a close, she turned around and she grabbed a large, not $2, a large bill and handed it to this little kid and said, buy yourself something great on vacation. I want to say something about epic love. Epic love always surprises you. It always surprises you. We see pedestrian love every single day of our life. We see the person turn around. We could say, rightfully so. I could think I probably wouldn't have been the happiest camper in the world, right? Just me. Uh, epic love always surprises you. You love somebody that loves you. That's you, you see that all the time. Jesus talked about this. When you, when you have a party, you invite somebody that you want to invite you to their house. You invite the rich or the wealthy or the famous because you hope to get invited by them. He goes, no, invite somebody that, that could never invite you to their house. And that's predictable. That's pedestrian. Every, listen, every time something's predictable, it's pedestrian. Well, I saw that coming. Well, I saw that coming. This guy cut this person off. I saw that coming. We live in such a predictable world. And what Jesus was doing in this, taking us to epic love, is he goes, I want to teach you something that's not predictable. Think about it. You ever read the parables? The parables are full of surprises. Surprises. I mean, I've told you this before when I've taught, but we did the series on the parables. Um, we call it the Good Samaritan. One of the worst things that ever happened to the Scriptures when people start putting headings in there. One of the worst things that happened to the Bible. People put headings in there. So it's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's giving the punchline before the guy even starts the joke. Because it's a good Samaritan. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like saying this is a good jihadi today in America parable, it takes away the zing you gotta wait for it, wait for it, wait for it oh, the good guy is the bad guy the bad guy is the good guy it's always a surprise the parable about the boys sleeping in anybody have boys that sleep in? slept in, slept in, slept in, slept in got paid the same as the guy that got up at the crack of dawn all of dad's conventional wisdom early bird gets the worm out the window that's a parable you never want to show your kids. You want to show them when are when they're 40, not when they're 14. Sleep in, sleep in, sleep in, and he gets paid the same as the other one. It's a, it's a parable God's sloppy grace. About God's epic love. They're always, it's always a surprise. So if it's predictable, it's pedestrian. And the parables always have these surprises. Just as I was shocked, stunned at what this lady did. Because I thought after a while she'd go, oh, okay, honey, so settle down. And she just kept it up. And then to turn around and hand her a, a boatload of money, it has to surprise. You see, after a while we get a little predictable, aren't we? And I mean, I like I like to be I like some predictable things. I I like I like coffee the first thing in the morning. The first thing, anybody, just have it there, have it ready, have it hot, the right kind. Just I don't need any surprises when it comes to my coffee, right? We get these little patterns going. I learned this from um, a guy this week who was a psychologist and studied this field and he said we can either be a product of the patterns of our past or we can tell ourselves a new story. A product of the patterns of our past or we can tell ourselves a new story. What do you mean? He told this story about a guy who um, who spoke with a stutter and you know, you go through all these things of speech therapy you do all these things but he said really the thing that changed this guy from speaking with a stutter to not having a stutter is he just told himself a different story he just started to say I don't have a stutter and he started to believe this is huge either you believe something that's about your past that you drag into your future or you start to say something new that takes you into a new future I'm starting to notice, you know, like, like little Charlie, she's got patterns. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's basic. I'm like starter, starter dad. But she just takes this little bottom lip and it just goes. <laughs> just like that. That's a pattern, right? Something predictable is going to happen, what? Right after that. Isn't this? And we have the same thing. We got our little pouty lip out. And then the next thing happens. It's predictable. Listen, listen, listen. Epic love is not predictable. It has to surprise. It has to do the thing that you don't want to do or you wouldn't think to do or no one would guess you would do. It goes the second mile. It gives the extra cloak. It, it, does, it turns the other cheek. It's always doing the unthinkable. It turns around and asks for a massage. It's not predictable. To me, too much of what I've seen as Christianity is so predictable. Ah, out of time. The second thing I was going to say is it reverses the escalation. So I'll just say it in closing. Epic love reverses escalation. Escalation is really simple to understand. It's simple to understand from the days when I was a kid and we sat in the backseat of the car, and went on vacation, and it didn't matter if we were going on vacation to Toledo, right, or Tennessee, um, the minute you got in the back of the car, it was time to fight. I don't know what it is about being two young boys. It was just time to fight. we got to fight about something. So we drew a line, and the line said, don't come on my side. Right here is the line. And if there was like a convenient, what, what do you call that little uh, thread in the in the, th- the thing there? Um, piping, is that correct, or something? Yeah, piping. Almost, I got it going on today. Piping right there. And you, so as soon as my brother drew the line, because he was older, he always got to draw the line. Um put my hand across it, just touch it. <laughs> Does anybody know what i 'm talking about, or is my, was my family that far gone? So, yeah okay. well, it just doesn 't end there. Does anybody know what i 'm talking about it It 's called escalation, one, two, three it's escalation. it 's escalation. It has to elevate. And so put it over there. And then what does he do? Sticks his old arm. Mommy, you get on your side. You get on your side. Stay on your side. She turns around. Finger, elbow, shoulder, punch in the shoulder. Anybody with me? Right. And it just goes. It gets higher and higher, higher. Is it right? And it, it continues to escalate. You have to outdo the next person. And somehow there's something inside of you. I don't know what it is about being eight years old as a boy. You can't let it go. There's no way I can let that go. I can't let this go. I just can't do it. I'd be less of an eight-year-old man if I let it go. i got to get over. i got to do his side. I can't. I have to retaliate. I must. And, and it escalates. And all it is is we're just adults doing the same thing. We just have to escalate. We have to escalate. And so what Jesus... Epic love was the... Re, this is important. And maybe I'll do it next week because I didn't get time to. It reverses escalation. And that's what the cross is about, by the way. It reverses the escalation of violence. Um, you know, like when a jet lands and have these thrusters and then when it hits the, when it hits the tarmac... They do a reverse thrust. You, you, you hit neutral for a minute, and all of a sudden it'll go, whoosh, and it's the reverse thrust. And it's all that force and all that momentum. And think about the reverse thrust to try to slow that thing down. And the cross is literally the reverse thrust. We've got to slow this thing down. We've got to save the world.